Psalms 34 tonight. Um, let's begin reading in verse number one. And you've been sitting for a little while. Let's stand out of reverence to God's word. The Bible says, I'll bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt His name together. I sought the Lord, and He heard me, and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto Him and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth around about him, them that fear Him, and delivereth them. O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in Him. O oh, fear the Lord, ye His saints, for there is no want to them that fear Him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but, that, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Father, I pray You'd help me tonight. Lord, You know, Lord, that I'm unable to do this without You. Lord, I don't even desire to do it without You. I pray, God, tonight You'd help me. Lord, I know there's a message here tonight for Your people. And I pray, God, that I would not get in the way, but Lord, I'd be a faithful messenger, Lord, to declare exactly what it is You want us to hear tonight. Lord, we love You. I thank You, Lord, for all You've done for me. Lord, I thank You that You did more than just die for me. Lord, I thank You, Lord, that You didn't just give the life of Christ for me, but You've given it to me, and now I can live my life through His life. Lord, we love You. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Verse number 6 um, is one of my life verses. i got several of them, but one of my favorite verses in the Bible. And We've been going each Wednesday night and picking out uh, these verses, and, and I'm just going to keep doing that as long as the Lord continues to um, lead me to another verse and another verse. And, and this one's been on my heart all week. And verse number 6 says, This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. And uh, I want to preach for a little while tonight on the ponderings of a poor man. The ponderings of a poor man. Now, you can read uh, at the beginning of the psalm there in verse 30, uh, Psalms 34, uh, that's what they call a superscription before, and it tells us when the psalm was written. It says, A psalm of David, when he changed his behavior before Abimelech, who drove him away, and he departed. Now, you remember when David was Saul's, um, uh, he, he, he was called after he killed Goliath to come and minister to Saul, and he played the harp for him, and, and we were, you know how Saul began to eye David and become jealous of David and began to try to kill David and take David's life. And, and, and one day David decided he realized that he needed to leave. He needed to go uh, for a season and get away from Saul. And, and, and I want to say there's a lot we can learn from the life of David, uh, but every battle isn't a battle we need to try to fight. Sometimes the answer is to walk away. And uh, Brother David's pastored him and I. We did some more construction work the other day, D&M, uh, David and Martin Construction. And uh, we was talking, and, and, and Brother David's been there before. There's been certain situations where the only answer was to walk away. And that's what David had to do. And when he fled, Saul didn't just let him leave. He went after him. And, 
and tried to, tried to get him. He sent his men after him. And we know how David went and he got the sword of Goliath. Uh, and, uh, and there's a whole sermon in that. I won't preach it, but he made a mistake. He took the sword of Goliath and he went down to the country of Gath asking them to protect him. Now, there was nobody uh, in Gath that they hated more than David. Because remember who he had killed, Goliath, a Philistine? And while he was there, uh, the king of, uh, uh, of Gath, Achish, uh, they, as soon as they saw David, they, they, put, they, they locked him up. They put him in chains. And he, 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 he feigned himself to be mad, crazy. Um, <laughs> and that's easier for some people to do than others, amen. <laughs> some of us don't have to try too hard. But, but and, and, and when he did that, the king uh, threw him out, uh, out to us, you know, just threw him out. He said, get away. You know, they thought, they said, we don't want this nut here. And, and, and they threw him out, and he went to a cave called Adullam. And there is where he wrote this psalm. And so I want you to see this, that uh, David, when he wrote this psalm, was at one of the poorest times in his life. Not just materially speaking, but emotionally, spiritually. I mean, God, when he was a young man, had sent the prophet to his house and anointed him to be the king of Israel. And can you imagine as he ran for his life how he wondered as he sat in that cold, dark cave, he wondered how in the world does this have anything to do with me being king of Israel. He had to think in that cave that his... his Dreams, his aspirations were not going to come to pass. But in the cave, he wrote this psalm, and, and, and I, want to, I want to uh, preach from it tonight, just from the first few verses that we read, about the ponderings of a poor man. And listen, in David's poverty, he learned some things about the Lord that he never would have learned. And you know, tonight, that's the way God is. Uh, nothing happens to us as children of God that God does not seek to gain glory from. And every event in our life, if we will allow the Lord, He can teach us valuable lessons from it. Verses 1 through 3, I want you to see what He resolved. As we think about the ponderings of this poor man, now again, we're not talking about a man that had never had anything. He had been, again, Saul's right-hand man. He had sat at Saul's table, uh, in fact, when he fled for his life, Saul, they sat down and, uh, and he looked around and he said, where's David? And, and, and he said, tell his seat's empty. So he had a seat at the king's table. So he had known what it was like to have material things. And not only that, he had known what it was like to be rich spiritually. God, as a young man, had given him victory over, uh, over the Goliath and over lions and bears and all those things. But now he's a poor man. And you know sometimes God has to take things from us so he can do a work in us. And we see in verses 1 through 3 what he resolved. He says in verse 1, I'll bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. In David's poverty, he made some resolutions. In David's hour of nothing, he made up his mind. 
And he said, whether I'm rich or poor, whether I'm in the, ca whether I'm in the castle or I'm in the cave, there, there are some things I'm going to do, I'm going to do for the Lord, no matter if I'm rich or poor, whether I'm loved or hated, whether I'm a hero or if I'm an enemy of the nation of Israel, he said, I'm resolved that uh, no matter what, this is what I'm going to do. And, and specifically tonight, he made some resolutions about his praise unto God. Now, if you'll study David, there's a lot of things he failed at, but there's one thing he was good at, and that was praising God. Even as a young man, he would praise the Lord. And you have to think for a little while that all that happened to him by Saul might have affected his praise. Um, and maybe you think, maybe you're so spiritual tonight that you would, as Saul threw that spear at you, you would have said, hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I probably would. That's probably not the first word would have come to my mouth. I hit my head on this speaker a minute ago. I mean, put a knot in, a dent in it. Lost four brain cells. I'm down to six now. And... And several in here laughed. They thought it was real funny. And I pray God, as Paul said about uh, the, that, that beast death, says, I pray the Lord reward them accordingly. But, 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 I, but you know, and, and when it happened, I said, y'all see how spiritual I am? I didn't say nothing. I lied. I just grimaced and bared it. But David, what I'm saying is, in his poverty, he learned that if you're going to praise God, you have to be resolved to praise him. You understand, life doesn't always rub us the right way. Life is not always smooth sailing. And in fact, if we'd all be honest, there's more rough sailing than smooth sailing. And so David said in these verses, uh, you can read it again in your own time, but he said, I will bless the Lord. Amen. He didn't say, I'm going to wait till I get out of this cave or I'm going to wait till Saul's dead and I'm on the throne. He didn't say, I'm going to wait till this army of men uh, comes and finds me. But he said, right here, right now, where I'm at, what I'm going through, he said, I will bless the Lord Amen. at all times. If we're going to praise the Lord, we've got to resolve that we're going to do it no matter what happens in our life. The majority of our praise listen to me, is purely circumstantial. But that's not what David had. So I want you to think about this. What did he learn about praise? He learned something about the devotion that's required for praise. He said, I will bless the Lord. Now here it is, at all times. Now we all understand what all means, do we not? I believe there's no hard shells in here. If there are, we'll pray for you. We'll anoint you with oil and, you know, lay hands, whatever we got to do. But we, we, we believe, Brother Justin, and he understands this because we've talked about it. All means all. Amen. Amen. Yeah. We believe that, that where the Bible says he would have all men to be saved, yeah. that that means that God would have all men to be saved. Amen. Yeah. Brother Larry, we believe that where it says he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That means all should come to repentance. And we all say amen. But Brother David, when he says magnify him at all times, all means the same thing. <laughs> all times makes for good preaching, but makes for difficult living. You see, when he says all times, 
He's saying that I've resolved that in the worst times, I'm going to continually praise the Lord. He said, I'm going to bless the Lord in the good times, but I'm also going to bless him in the bad times. I'm going to bless him in the times where I have more than I need. But I'm going to bless him also in the times when I don't have all that I want. He said, I'm going to bless him when everybody's for me. But I'm also going to bless him when everybody's against me. If we can learn, and by the way, the only way, I want to ask you this. How can we learn to praise God in bad times if we never have bad times? Have you ever thought the reason things happen in our lives and, 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 and problems come in our lives and difficulties and trials and, and testings in our lives so that we can learn to do these things if we never had these tests? I mean, listen, we come to church and we learn and we read and we hear the preaching and the teaching and, and, and we should and it helps us. But, you know, when we go out of the doors, that's where we have to live it in our everyday life. And so the devotion of praise. There are times when it's easier to praise the Lord than others. But there's never a bad time to praise Him. Now think about this. I want you to get this if you don't get nothing else. 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. It says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Now how many of you believe that the Bible's inspired of God. Hey, you better raise your hand, Justin. Yes, sir. <laughs> Amen. You see, we don't just believe in verbal inspiration. This is a fancy word, and I'll explain it to you. It's good if you're arguing with liberal, you can use it on them. We believe in verbal plenary inspiration. So what that means is we don't believe that just the Bible, but we believe all the Bible's inspired. Not just the word in general. There's a lot of liberals that'll say they believe that the thoughts of the Bible, the truth of the Bible, but, the, the, but we, we don't believe just that. We believe that every word is inspired. Amen. So when Paul said, in everything give thanks, he did not say, for everything give thanks. So I may not can thank God for it, but I can thank God in it. I don't believe we should say, thank God I got a bad call from the doctor. Or thank God my daughter or my son has got away from God. Or thank God we're having church trouble. Or thank God we're having financial trouble. We should, I don't believe God expects us to say, man, I'm so glad I couldn't pay that payment and they're going to call me 14 times. I don't believe that's what God expects. Yeah. But the truth of the matter is we can end all... I believe that's what David was saying. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times. Amen. He didn't say, I'll bless the times, but I'll bless the Lord at all times. So what I'm saying is, in our life, we must be devoted that in the good times and in the bad times, in the hard times, in the rough times, that in all times, we're going to praise him no matter what. David was that kind of a Christian. And I'll be honest, I've failed in that, and so have you. But we should learn from his ponderings that we, but there must be a devotion. Then verse 2 he says, My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall there hear thereof and be glad. <clears throat> so David, in, in he real, listen, he resolved. And when he resolved, he learned about the devotion. But now he, he learned also about the direction of praise. He says, My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. That word uh, boast 
I, I looked it up. It means that to which a man would value himself or that which would be the most prominent in his mind when he endeavored to call remembrance what he could reflect on with the most pleasure. What David was saying, he says, I am going to boast in the Lord. I'm going to find pleasure in Him. I'm going to let Him be that which gives me the most joy. He's going to be that which gives me the most satisfaction. He says, listen, I'm not going to boast in myself. I'm not going to boast in my calling. I'm not going to boast in my name. I'm going to boast in the Lord. And then he says this, the humble shall hear thereof and be glad. A humble man doesn't care to hear from a person who's bragging or boasting on themselves. And he says that as I boast in the Lord, as I find pleasure in the Lord, as I find strength in the Lord, as I find contentment in the Lord, he says, listen, the direction of my praise it's not going to be on my upbringing. It's not going to be on my calling. It's not going to be in the fact that I've been anointed to be the next king of Israel. He says, I'm going to boast in one thing and, and one thing only, and that's in the Lord, the Lord of heaven. Amen. In poverty, we can learn that we may not can boast in anything, but we can boast in the Lord. Amen. But then verse 3, he gives them some... He realized or resolved some things about the direction of praise. He said, or the details, he said in verse 3, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. He gives some details about praise. Magnification. He says, magnify the Lord with me. Does everybody know what magnify means? Make it bigger. You see, I believe the church, our, when we come to church, it ought to be everyone's desire to magnify the Lord. Yeah. That's why when we sing, the song should magnify the Lord. I thank the Lord for how He's blessed our church with, 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 with not only talented uh, singers, but, but with a good attitude. Yeah. Brother Dave, you've seen them before, professional musicians and singers, and they come in and they want to magnify themselves. Right. They can't get through one song without telling you that they got the CDs out there and they, and they wrote this song and they wrote that song and they've and they done this and they've done that and they've got to tell that story when they were singing at the Grand Ole Opry and, there was 20, and, and it's all about them. It's all, it's all about themselves. It's all about what they've done and when they sing, and listen, I'll just be honest and, and by the way, this doesn't mean you need to become the critic of every song but too many of our songs are about our own selves and, and and it's not enough about him and what he has done. Amen. We must magnify the Lord. That's why John the Baptist said, he must increase and I must decrease. We should try to magnify him with everything we do, whether it be in our songs or in our sermon, when it's at our job, when it's in our home, we should try to make him bigger than he is. Amen. We ought to magnify him. Exalt means to raise up above all things. But then listen to this. He says, let us. And then verse 3, he says this. He says, let us exalt his name together. He says, magnify the Lord with me. Let me say something about praise is, it's always better with somebody else. You know, and, and I said this months ago, and I've got to hurry, but one of the great, I don't know, you remember when the president said, I don't want the cure to be worse than the disease. And we've seen that happen. 
And one of the things that's affected, I, I mean, I talk to preachers all the time, all of and there's heart in our church. I'm telling you, God, we, we are for, we are blessed, yeah. Yeah. brother David. The vast majority of the preachers I know, their attendance has fallen off, just fallen off, and and people have just quit coming. And, and they call and they'll say, "Hey, preacher, I'm just going to watch it online, or I'm just going to listen online, or uh, you know, I'll listen to it later, you know, uh, after I get done doing this and after I get done doing that." And, and, and what's happened is we've lost, as if it needed to be lower anymore as a nation. I mean, we, we, people tonight are viewing corporate worship in a, in a lower light than they ever have before. They've swallowed the line that this is not essential, this is not important, that we can do it virtually, we can do it online. And by the way, we might have to go. That's why I'm saying we need to all be careful. We may be back there. If, if, things, if, things, don't, if things happen, I mean, if that's what we have, we may have to. But the truth of the matter is, what's happened is we've forgotten or we've gotten away from how important it is to have people together, to worship God together, to magnify the Lord together to exalt him together, to praise him together. I'm saying this is, he said, that's a detail. Why do you think David longed for that so much? Because he was in a cave by himself. And in that cave, he resolved that when the opportunity came, when when the opportunity came and he got to be around his brothers and sisters again, I can imagine him in that cave thinking about being back in Jerusalem and being back there where the tabernacle, the temple was. And he thought, you know, when I get back, I want to magnify with my brothers and sisters. I want to exalt him when I have that chance again. So what he resolved, verse 4 through 6, what he remembered in his poverty In verse 4, he said, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. He remembered, he remembered longing for God. He said, I sought the Lord. As he went back in his mind and thought about that experience down there with the king of of Gath, Achish, and he remembered that moment where him and those men that were with him were afraid for their life. He, was, he had fallen into the hands of the enemy. And, and he thought he was a dead man. And he said, in that hour, in that moment, I've never longed for God. Like He said, I sought the Lord. He said, I sought the Lord. And oh, listen tonight. If it wasn't for poverty, if it wasn't for adversity, the chances are we would never seek for God. In his hour of distress, he longed for God like never before. Here's a question I've asked myself as I studied this, and I really the, the, the Lord's really convicted me with it. This is what the Lord told me. I didn't see it writing on the ceiling, but in my spirit, the Lord said, what would you be willing to go through to get closer to me? And we say, I saw nothing between my soul and my Savior, nothing between. We, we say that, but I want to ask you this. What am I willing to endure to get closer to Him? 
You see, in this time of his life, in this adversity, he longed for God more than he had ever longed for him before. If David had been sitting in the kingdom, if David had been sitting there in the confines of the, of the, of the palace, and if everything had been right in his life, and Saul had not sought to kill him, if he had not had to run for his life, the chances are he would not have sought for the Lord as he did. But as he fled for his life and he thought that his life, he told Jonathan, he said, there's just a step between me and death. And there he is in front of the king of Achish. And in his mind, he probably thought, I took my last step. He said, I sought for the Lord then. I sought for the Lord. He remembered longing for God. And there's been times, and I know you have too, where things just, and you long for God, you sought him. You sought him. We should remember that. And you know what? We shouldn't wait for problems to come to seek him. He remembered also, he remembered looking, he, he remembered looking to God in verse 5. He said, they looked unto him and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. I believe he's talking about the men that were with him. You read the story. He had some men that went out with him. And he says, in that moment, they looked unto him and were lightened. And their faces were not ashamed. In the darkest time of their life, these men followed David because they knew in their heart that he was God's man and he was God's king. You see, Saul was the people's king. David was God's king. And brother David, they did what they thought was right they did, I mean, they did something that was, was honorable and something that was courageous. They left with him knowing that he was a wanted man. And there, what did it get them? It got them in trouble. <laughs> and they're standing with him. And once them Philistines got through killing him, who do you think the next ones were they going to kill? And David said in that moment, in that hour, they looked unto the Lord and their faces were enlightened. Listen to me. In their darkest hour, they looked to the Lord and he gave them light. Amen. Amen. And tonight, listen, it's good to know and we should all remember that in those dark seasons of our life, that if we'll look unto the Lord, he'll give us light as well. Amen. Then he, in verse 6, he remembered being lifted by God. He said, this poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. I, I looked up that word poor and it's not the, the word that we normally would associate being poor with. It means to be afflicted, to be crushed, forsaken, desolate. And one of the words is miserable. Miserable. David said this poor man cried. I'm not trying to correct the Bible, but I want you to think about miserable. This miserable, this crushed, this forsaken, this desolate man. I mean, David said, I was left alone. I was there to die in that cold, dark cave. He said, I cried unto him. He says that this poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. David said, I remember him lifting me up. Amen. He lifted me out of my despair and my poverty. And listen tonight, we need to remember how God has saved us from the most miserable situations in our life. 
what he remembered. Verse 7 through 10, what he realized. He says, The angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him and delivereth him. David realized some things about the Lord and his poverty that helped him for the remainder of his life. Abraham Lincoln said that adversity is a much more faithful friend than prosperity. And so David learned in verse 7, he learned or he realized that God was a God who protects his children. He said the angel of the Lord. Now he didn't say an angel of the Lord, but he said the angel of the Lord. There's a difference. If you want to do a little study on the angel of the Lord, read your Old Testament, and you'll find in 2 Kings chapter 19 and verse 13, 35, the angel of the Lord smoked 185,000 Assyrians in a second. David said, the angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him. He said, when I had nobody to stand watch, when I had nobody to watch my back and to guard me, uh, this and that word where it says the encampeth around about. Uh, that means surround. He says, when I had nobody to watch my backside, uh, nobody to watch from the left or the right, he says, the angel of the Lord encampeth around about me. Amen. You know, Hebrews 13, 2 says, be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Now there's a lot of debate about guardian angels and all that. Now we don't worship angels. That's 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 you know, that's not that's weird, you know, and it's unscriptural. But I still believe in angels. I believe in fallen angels too. I believe in demonic spirits. But I believe in angelic hosts that help us. And I believe every one of us tonight that are saved, there's been times in our life we didn't understand it, we didn't realize it, but God sent an angel to help us. I I may have told this, I may not. When I pastored before at the church I was at before, we was going through a bad time. It seemed like there was a lot of those there, but we was in a real bad time. Brother David, a bunch of them was mad and they wouldn't say amen. They'd just sit there and stare at me. One of them, she'd put her fingers in her ears. I'm not kidding. She would. Said it hurt. I give her a headache. And, and, and you know, and so she just kind of put her fingers in the ear and stared at me the whole time. Try preaching to that. You know what I'm saying? And I'm kind of hard-headed just a little bit, you know. I've kind of grown out of that as I've gotten older. But So I was bound to determine I was just going to preach harder and louder and longer. And so, but you can do that for so long, but after a while, it gets tired. And one morning, one Sunday morning, I mean, it was bad. It was real bad. This man come in the door, and, and, and seriously, where we was at was about, it was in Moore County, Tennessee, Lynchburg, Tennessee, and it just, just, you know, just backwoods, and everybody knew everybody because they was all kin, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. The family tree down there has only got one, I mean, it's just one, it ain't got many branches, and, and, <laughs> That might be why they act the way they do. But anyhow, I hope this don't go out on my, but it is. This guy walked in and everybody's like, who is that? And, and, and I went back there and man, he was just one of the most, you know, he's just, hey brother, hallelujah, good to meet you. And I'm like, wow, you know, who is this? And 
He was kind, and, and I kept, he never would tell me who he was or where he was from. I kept, you know, and he, and he kept, anyway, he sat down. Now, you can say, I, I, I promise you, I wasn't smoking dope or nothing like this. really happened. And, and, and we began that search. Kim was there. She'll tell you. And from the first song, I'm talking about, and these people, I mean, they were not trying to worship God. First song, he was back there hollering, amen, I mean, clapping his hands, Praise, I mean, crying. I'm up there like, oh my goodness, this is wonderful. And I got up to preach and, uh, no, I forgot to tell you the best part. I was sitting there interrogating him, trying to find out where he's from. I thought maybe they recruited him to, you know, to deceive me or something. And, and he says, brother, you don't know me, but I just, he said, I, he said, the Lord want me to come tell you this this morning. He said, you're going to be fine. He said, you're going to be fine. Amen. He said, you just keep preaching, doing what... He said, you're going... I never met the man. I said, all right, brother, I appreciate it. He sat there and he ate in me the whole time. I mean, he, he was the only one, but man, he was doing it good. He was making up for the rest of them. And he kept on and on, and we got ready to dismiss. And this is the honest truth. I was trying to get to the back door. We stopped now. They, they done got on to me about that walking back there while somebody said that was irreverent. So I was standing up there waiting for him to pray. And when I looked up, he was gone. And then I'm talking about, I went looking for him. I went out the back door. There was, there was no, and I said, where'd he go? Nobody said, I, we, don't, we don't know where he went. We couldn't find him. There was nothing. And you say, oh, I don't know if he was or if he wasn't. But all I know is that morning, it seemed as if the Lord encamped around about him. He said he's a God that protects, but he learned this, and I'm done. Yeah, I think we got enough in there now. I told Miss Bertine she may have to look the other way. But I'm just kidding her. He said in verse, I love you, Miss Bertine. In verse 8, oh, taste and see. Ginger, quit laughing. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints. For there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. In his poverty, listen, in his poverty, he learned that God was a God who protects, but he learned that God was a God who provides. Now, when David left, when David left the kingdom, he left with nothing. Nothing. The only thing he had was that sword of Goliath. And when he went to this cave, he had nothing. <laughs> but what he learned is that God met every single need he had in that cave. Amen. One man said it like this. He said, until God is all we have, we'll not understand that he's all we need. And if you'll read the story you'll find that while he was in that cave, God sent him an army. 600 men. Now they weren't the best of armies. You know the ones that come to him, the debt, the ones that owe people money, the, dis the distress, <laughs> the, I mean the outcasts, but it was an army nonetheless. God sent him an army of 600 men to protect him. And, and, and as, David, as David looked back, he said the, the lions do hunger. He says, but they that fear the Lord shall not want for any good thing. And you know tonight, when we learn from this 
these ponderings of this poor man. We should learn that God provides. He's provided for us as a church. He's provided for me and my family. He's provided for you. And here's the thing. As long as we fear Him, we trust Him, we follow Him, we obey Him, He'll provide for us as well.